I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. Well, welcome to this episode of The Discomfort Practice, everybody. This is the first time I'm doing a new format, and I'm introducing discomfort running buddies. So every now and then I'll be speaking to one of my in-real-life good friends who's on this same path of exploring and appreciating the value of discomfort. I'm also recording in a different room in my house than I usually record in because I'm doing it live with my discomfort running buddy, so forgive any street noise. I live in Spain, so they love scooters here, and it sounds like leaf blowers driving up and down the street several times per hour, but it just adds to the charm, right? So Discomfort Running Buddies is basically like having lunch with me and one of my friends, except without the lunch, unless you want to sit down and have lunch. But it's with somebody who is valuable to me, and hopefully I am valuable too, because we hold space for each other and challenge each other to sit with discomfort and to grow and we help spur each other on in this just like if you have a running buddy they help you run further faster and all of that so for this first discomfort running buddies episode i'm really pleased to welcome my friend katherine garner and actually katherine showed up at my door this morning today is my birthday with a painting that she painted that i bought from her as a birthday gift to myself so it's a really special day i'm getting to spend the day with katherine And we're both here in Barcelona, and we are actually sitting in the midst of a weekly co-working that I run called Accelerator Tuesdays. And as part of my mission to kind of let you into my life a bit more, I'll just talk about Accelerator Tuesdays. Obviously, I am a solopreneur. I am a female entrepreneur who works on my own. And I started Accelerator Tuesdays in July of 2020 after the very intense Barcelona lockdown ended. And I was looking for like-minded female entrepreneurs who wanted to come together to collaborate and support each other and work actually in a more feminine way than the world of work usually caters to, where it's sort of nine to five structured. This is about actually going with the flow, listening to ourselves. So each week, each Tuesday morning, we start by sitting through a guided meditation and I guide us through whatever comes to mind. And then we each get clear on what we truly need to do for the day. And then we support each other and keep each other accountable. And it's been like absolute rocket fuel for each of us. So um, a few of us are in sort of similar phases of creating new things or reinventing things that we have been doing for quite some time in our consultancy work, or some of us are designers or run sustainable events. And actually the podcast is part of a result of this. And my new website from last year is a result of Accelerator Tuesdays. So Women like Catherine who come to these events who are part of my life are just super valuable to me. And I've really found the beauty and the value of of fellow female entrepreneurs. Um, Catherine and I met a few years ago now through our women's entrepreneur group called We Barcelona, run by Sophie Anderson, who is a human design reader who I interviewed in season one, if a few of you listened to her. And We Barcelona is central to both of our lives here. I think we can agree. And it's full of incredible, purpose-driven, ambitious, wonderful women 
who value friendship and personal development and contributing to society and working hard, but being truly in ourselves in that work and being true to what our own personal missions are. So I'll just introduce Catherine before we kick this off and have a chat about something that we're actually launching together and I'm really excited about. So Catherine's background is in the medical profession in the UK where she was born. She's also a UK abstract artist, creative director, and artist coach whose work explores the mental, emotional, and spiritual experience of finding comfort. Obviously, that's an interesting theme for somebody who runs a discomfort practice podcast. So she's a talented multidisciplinary artist and intuitive who brings together her extensive health and wellness background with her art and intuition. And I would say she makes magic. And her painting in my living room right now is proof of that because it's beautiful. In fact, I think I will post that on my social media feed so everyone can enjoy it. Yeah. So Catherine is grounded in the psychology and human experience of holistic recovery. And her art explores the comfort and its role in our personal well-being and collective evolution. Her work explores the concept of comfort as a form of memory and expression through softly transitioning colors, a personal inquiry brought about by her experiences and reflections in her former career as a healthcare professional, and more notably the challenges in finding comfort as a stranger living away from her native homeland. So if any of you have lived in places you're not from, you can probably relate that you look for ways to comfort yourself. She studied many different modalities of mind and body wellness and studied postgraduate contemporary art in Barcelona in 2012, which is when you moved here, right? No, it was before you moved here. Yeah, I was going backwards and forwards for a a couple of years. Yeah, Yeah. the backwards and forwards to Barcelona before you finally settle here is a dance that many (laughs) people in Barcelona have done because it's a great place to live and you have to figure out how to live here. Mm -hmm. So Catherine and I have lunch regularly and we talk about things like how to magnetize an amazing partner because she has a great one and I'm working on magnetizing an amazing partner this year. So I ask her for advice. She's very wise. Um, And the reason we're sitting here today is because Catherine asked me if I was on Clubhouse. A lot of you probably are on Clubhouse. And I was like, what is this Clubhouse? So I accepted an invitation from a friend and wandered in one day and quickly went, ah, this is like TikTok. It makes no sense to me and left. But Catherine nudged me again over another lunch and promised me it would be worth getting involved in. So we started to explore this together. And so a few weeks back, again, over a lunch involving ceviche and other Peruvian lovely food, we decided to birth this thing together. And it's a complementary space to the discomfort practice. So we're excited to announce that starting the first Wednesday in April, every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Central European time, that's 3 p.m. UK time. And we can obviously post some other time zones if you're in the States. We will be hosting a clubhouse chat in our new club called Comfort Zone Chats. And I'll stick the link in the show notes and on social media. So we would love for you to join us every Wednesday. Any Wednesday, we'll be posting um, a series of topics that we are proposing to discuss. And you can come along and either just listen or you can raise your hand and we'll bring you into the conversation. But for the first one, we're going to be talking about what is a comfort zone. And what is discomfort? Just talking about the psychological and physiological elements of both and and about people's experiences of productive discomfort, like we talk about on this podcast. But the thing is, it's about being a comfort, well, it's about being a judgment and shame-free space where people feel comfortable enough to have 
actually potentially uncomfortable conversations. So when we say comfort, it's not going to be all hot cocoa and puppies, but it is about how can we make this safe space for each other and safe for ourselves. So we're going to be chatting about how we do that in this discussion because we're still working out what should our ground rules be. Um, and just quickly, if you're not familiar with Clubhouse, you need to have an iPhone. Sorry about that, folks. You need to be invited by a contact, and you probably know somebody already who can invite you. And, you know, you can either just listen or you can chip in, and it's moderated, and it's really pretty simple. Um, both of us will be promoting it on our Instagram accounts. Mine is at the Betsy Reed, and Catherine's is at Catherine Garner Artist. Artist. Catherine Garner Artist. And again, those will be in the show notes. So... After all of that, nice, lovely, long introduction. Catherine's looking a bit bashful, but welcome, Catherine. <laughs> yeah, this is out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I know. It's out of my comfort zone, too, so I can only imagine you're, you're more introverted than I am. <laughs> yeah. Classic artist. So let's start with a moment to drop in. Um, we can take a few breaths. So everybody, just get grounded. Whether you're driving a car, walking along, or sitting at your desk, or lying on your bed, just take a few breaths. Feel that breath going in and out and just allow yourself to get present. To be with yourself, first of all, and then to be with us. We really hope that you feel this conversation, that you feel engaged in this conversation about comfort and discomfort, and that it allows you to connect more deeply to yourself to know what's going on inside and around you. So let's come gently back to this moment, to this chat. And welcoming Catherine, asking the first question that's always asked, what is an uncomfortable moment that has shaped who you are and how you are in the world? Oh, um, uncomfortable moments. Well, for sure, moving here was probably by far the most uncomfortable <laughs> move that I've made. Um, well, because you moved here after the breakdown of a relationship. Yeah, that, there was some, there was a stopgap in that where I was working, well, we were still working together then, so that was okay. But after breakups in general, you start thinking, oh, what else do I want and what else do I not want? So that actually um, kickstarted a load of like internal investigation and if I was like happy with the work that I was doing because in general we we had a company together um, for orthopedic surgery and a lot of um, the, the program that I was more interested in was for um, enhanced recovery. Mm. So all of my work has been looking at how do we make the process better how do we make people more comfortable basically how do we how do we organize something that is like the most uncomfortable and intrusive and the most vulnerable you're ever going to be is by undergoing surgery so how do we how do we create a pathway of care that is going to get the best out of the person to be involved um and not freak them out any more than they need to be but then you left that and moved here yes so I was like well and that was yeah that was a career move (laughs) where I was like oh all of my life I've been doing that 
for like 15 plus years or something mm-hmm. um and so much of identity is in that as well because by the time you've been in any kind of career for like you know 5 10 15 years you're you know it inside out you know you know you've taken it to wherever you want to go with it and you know there's a certain amount of status as well when mm. you've got like you're you're well known in your community you're getting you know? my church bells by the way everybody <laughs> welcome to what i hear when i wake up every morning but yeah sorry there we go interrupting your discomfort with high church bells yeah, yeah so it's it's basically you've gone from being well known in your community and having that comfort and familiarity to then moving I think the reason I actually came to Barcelona was to study art, but mm. that was it was more of a sabbatical idea where I just thought, oh, I'll just create some space and I can just paint or you know make sculpture or whatever yeah. for how long. I think it was about um, one or two years, more or less. And I thought, oh, well, that will be interesting. But then I met my now husband <laughs> very the, eat pray love yeah, yeah it was never the plan basically <laughs> to like uproot and then completely relocate it was more of a like sabbatical plan um but then at the time because you're all caught up in love and all the good things and obviously all the romantic side of living in a foreign country um it was a bit of a bubble and I hadn't really integrated what it would mean to actually sell everything and uproot myself and then start again in another country. Mm. So, yeah, um, that was probably the most uncomfortable. And it wasn't apparent in the first two years because Mm. I was still in this kind of bubble of um, creativity. um, I had some really cool friends that I'd made here. completely new it felt completely new but then gradually like after the first couple of years then because it was an international school like they all started moving and this is like transient mm. people this is living. very Barcelona it's too. very very people Barcelona come and go. Yeah. yeah because it's I don't know the energy is just like that isn't it yeah it's like lots of people sort of come here try it out have fun and then move on um but then I was here and then I felt left behind. So I had all this amazing experience of, you know, people that I felt really got me as well. And the, and parts of me that I'd, you know, stuffed down for years, you know, mm. especially the creativity. Mm. Because from many years, I was told, especially when I was young, it's just like, it's not a career move. It's yeah. not like a good job. It's very unstable. You have to be uber talented to succeed or to make money um there was just like so many reasons I was told and that and that was a time when I was I don't know probably 12 13 thinking about what exams that or even subjects I wanted to study you know because like I mean I love my parents dearly but they were trying their best to look out for me but I did close down art and being creative for years because of that you know so being in Barcelona and being stepping into your creative side you also had to deal with the narrative of you can't make money at this you can't make money as an artist right it's yeah because also the I mean my school was really cool actually it's um 
metaphor for anyone that's interested in contemporary art and <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, they de- they've got another part of the school which is to do with art therapy. So um, there's a lot of uh, personal development and deep dive into creative discourse, and mm. it, it's I think much more so than the average sort of art school. So. You do learn a lot about yourself and your creative expression and your um, forming your creative language, really. More bells. <laughs> Bloody hell, the church bells just keep going. All right. But yeah, when you finally discover it, and then it also drags up all of the reasons why you can't express yourself like that or why you're not going to be safe expressing yourself like that or financially independent expressing yourself like that yeah so it's a real dichotomy of like well I want to do it but there's about 20 million reasons why I can't do it or I don't feel safe doing it or there'll be consequences if I do do it you know that aren't good Mm. so that was like very much a um a tug of war really mm. um luckily enough I mean I studied uh neuro-linguistic programming and psychology and behavioral science a lot of those things as part of like the modalities of um meditation and um the wellness practices that mm. we we are familiar with and you know that was great and that helped a bit but I gets a point where you know if it is so overwhelming you need a little bit of outside help you know to guide you through the process and yeah. and really identify the stuff that doesn't work for you that is keeping you small and do you feel because we were actually talking about this earlier as we were sort of having a cup of coffee in my kitchen about how both of us still I'm uncomfortable living here because like I'm not fluent in Spanish and the the local culture can be quite tricky in terms of it's not necessarily as sort of effusive or open as other places in Spain even or you know sort of South American countries or the states where I'm from and it it is a hard place for some of us to live I find this a very tricky place to live I've lived in five countries now and I find Barcelona is probably the hardest place I've lived and it's not because of the language barrier. <laughs> I lived in the Czech Republic. I spent some time in Colombia. And there's just some, yeah, this, this is not necessarily as comfortable a place to live as people think when they visit it on holiday and think, oh, my mm. God, I would love to live here. So has it gotten more comfortable? Because you talk about how moving here was quite uncomfortable. And then going through the process of finding, well, finding validity in being an artist and that being a profession in itself. And then here you are eight years into living, right? <laughs> yeah. How's like, my discomfort? When does it get comfortable? Is I often ask myself that because, excuse me, <clears throat> because it really still isn't. And <laughs> I mean, I love my husband dearly and he's Spanish and he's not actually from Barcelona. He's from La Rioja, but he's been here 20 years and Fine, it's, you know, his native language. Um, He's adjusted, you know. Like, I often think, gosh, how many people, even, like, friends from the UK, have stayed more or less in the same place for such a long amount of time and how it's, like, it's not even on their radar to feel this level of discomfort on a daily basis. It's, like, it's so interesting because, like, 
what are the things and that's what really got me into sort of looking at like all of these um the concept of comfort Mm. because it's like how can I actually like what is it that makes me feel more comfortable um I think language obviously in communication is a biggie and I mean I can get by but I was just it's... saying, like, I have a bag of shoes that have needed to be repaired for two years. It's a growing bag of shoes. I have nice shoes, but I don't know the vocabulary to go to the shoe repair guy. And also, I have nice shoes, so I don't want to just turn them over to someone I can't communicate clearly with who might mess up my shoes. So, like, I just have this bag of shoes that need, like, to be rehealed or little stitching here and there. And it's, yeah, that is what the discomfort of living in a language that yeah. you don't feel totally confident in. Is like, and I still like, I hate making phone calls in Spanish because I feel like an idiot. So, yeah, I'm not comfortable with phone calls. I, yeah. It surprised me how much I, like, when we started wearing masks for COVID and stuff, it surprised me how much I was relying on watching people's mouths, mm-hmm. like, while they were speaking to me to be able to fully get, like, the whole experience of a conversation. Yeah. Because now, like, I'm missing so much of like with accents, with like their enunciation and stuff as yeah. well. It's like, gosh, we're we're cutting out a little bit of that communication. It's, yeah. It just gets lost. Yeah, you know? if you want to experience deep, deep discomfort, up sticks and move to a country where you don't speak the language at all or very well, and you experience it on a daily basis. You know, like there, I'm a chatty person. So I am used to just chatting with shopkeepers and chatting to the street sweeper and chatting to, but I can't do that here. Um, I could, but I've started avoiding it and now it's a habit. And I hate that about myself. It also brings me some shame because I'm used to being like very articulate. And, you know, obviously like I do words, I speak, I talk to people, I'm interested in stories and I can't do that here because also, you know, most people here speak Catalan. They prefer to speak Catalan to Spanish, and I am so far from learning Catalan that it's just that extra level of uncomfortable, and it's also so political. None of my neighbors will speak Spanish to me. They'll either speak mm-hmm. Catalan or or poor English, and it is super uncomfortable because I don't need... Okay, I'm going to make a politically incorrect statement. I don't feel the need to learn Catalan. I recognize that it's an important language. It's part of the identity here, but... You know, it's spoken by just a few million people, whereas Spanish is the second most widely spoken language in the world besides English. So between those two, I can talk to 80% of the world. So I'm going to keep working on my Spanish, not my Catalan. So that adds to the discomfort here. But I think what you're getting to is how discomfort has made you consider comfort, right? Yeah, in and big how ways. And you build that into your art. Yeah, yeah. Because in the beginning, it was... Well, when I was first at art school... Um, I it was a great school because we we managed to sort of explore lots of different disciplines so one semester would be like sculpture it would be whatever you want really you can like explore lots of different things and that was my purpose at the time of exploring you know lots of different creative pursuits and mediums so we had um, some structured lessons like dotted about the week but then we were free to create and um, one of the things when I started I wanted to really paint big abstract art just because that's what I kind of have yeah that's what I wanted to do at the time yeah and I mean at the end of every semester it was required of us to present our art because we had a topic Mm. that we had to consider Uh, it was quite a loosely based topic and then you have your interpretation so abstract art 
is open to expression <laughs> by most people yeah. but you've still got as an artist you still get taught you know the fundamentals of structure composition you know light dark movement shape depth all, all of these kinds of concepts so you've got that in the back of your mind of of what you want to create and what you want to talk about but at the end of the day we were expected to stand up in front of you know between 14 and 30 other students and say this is why I made that decision to paint that it's interesting to talk about your process because you start with an intention right so how how do you paint what you paint and I will post the the beautiful painting I just bought from her on social media so you can see the result but what's your process when I'm in the good mood that's when I feel the urge paint um the colors that I pick are very intuitively chosen so I normally look at my uh, colors that I've got in front of me put a load in my little tray um choose my brush um more or less I've got my style now that I'm happy with that I like to use which is very blended um and I like very much to show contrast between light, dark and shape and depth. Depth, I think, is a very important um, feeling because when you paint large artworks, I like to feel immersed. Mm. I like it to be an immersive experience. So you get the full um, experience, basically, of whatever that is. Um, I think with much smaller paintings, you kind of, you lose that kind of um, experience. Yeah, I get that from your paintings. I always have felt that, even without knowing your intention, because these are big paintings. They're a meter by a meter or bigger. bigger, So that's three feet by three feet for the Americans. And yeah, they're just big, beautiful, very immersive paintings. And there is that sense of depth. The one that I've bought, I love because I feel like I'm peering out of a dark cave into this beautiful thing that I can walk into it is a real mood so you really capture that well in all of the paintings I've seen of yours thank you yes it's um it feels important to that that's the only um directive I suppose that I create for myself because I like to do it it's like a impulse that I like to create that kind of um, effect um and you paint very quickly right yes super quickly um I found that to be like essential actually because knowing like meditation practice you know you've got like so many thoughts going on all of the time like the internal narrative the judgment the you know and all of the rest of the feelings and thoughts and thoughts are in one part of your brain you know that are the verbal part of your brain but emotions feelings sensations intuition is all non-verbal so that area and that part of us as humans is very intriguing to me um I've done lots of research on dreams um and the narrative that dreams show I've done a lot of like psychic development workshops and work a lot with energy so this kind of side to us that is very much like a soul experience is super interesting for me because there's so much information that can be gleaned from there. And I just think like that is what I want to channel when I paint. It's funny because there's not much intentional apart from the intention to paint, obviously the intention to choose like the intuition and choosing colors because that's what you've got. And then the size obviously of the canvas, they're the Mm. three things that are intentional then the actual activity is 
more of a reflex of being in a meditative state like I use music a lot to to alter my state mm-hmm. um to get me into um yeah like a open mode flow yeah yeah exactly it puts me in flow um so I use it for that purpose because it's enjoyable and it's then very very easy for me to wallop on a load of pain and and then see what happens Mm -hmm. and then yeah I don't know I just work into it and have that sensation of oh I know what I want it to look not look like in total but there's certain aspects I think it must be blended they must have some contrast. Thoughts and language, for me, it's, it's a better experience to leave those to mm. one side, you know, mm. because among with all of that, you've got, when you start putting words to things, you've got then internal narrative of our humanness, you know, like, mm-hmm. and the like detritus of crappy daily life, you know, and judgment and shame and, and mm. like what, I don't know, the calendar of events you've got going on, living in the past, living in the future, mm. and all of the narrative about that. Whereas actually when you paint or when I paint, it's very in the present moment mm. of like, what am I open to? What wants to come through? And what's it going to look like? Oh, I love that because it is it's your unique process because yeah. there are people who paint from shame or anger or yeah you you know the detritus of daily life and that's inspiration for them so it's beautiful to kind of peer under the lid of your brain yeah because also I know you quite well and I know your intuitive gifts your energetic gifts the work that you've done all these years on being really steeped in energetic stuff and we'll get into that more in comfort zone chats so people want to sort of hear the woo-woo side of us when we talk about things like I'm going to use words a lot of people won't know Akashic Records and <laughs> yeah. uh, Astral Plane. And we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff on there. Yeah, I've done a lot of um, interesting investigation into the subconscious, basically. So yeah. ah, going back to that original painting, yeah. which was the aha moment of the discourse, um, with my wine <laughs> and my notebook, we got to, well, I was I sat with it for a while. And after I started writing a few words, um I'd actually painted in a it was very childlike colors it was very like kind of rainbow it was a little bit dark but there was rainbow reds you know like Mm. blues greens whatever and then I'm suddenly looking at this image and thinking oh my god I've actually painted a very sort of abstract version of my grandmother's garden I was so blown away that my subconscious had been like present in that moment even though I had no conscious connection to it. That was my safe place, though. Mm. That was growing up. That was the most consistent home and feeling of home I ever had because Mm. we moved around a little bit when I was younger. The only consistent safe place, and because it's your grandparents as well, and you can do no wrong with your grandparents, you know? They are the ultimate, you know, caretakers. That's beautiful, though, because it really does draw back to comfort. The subconscious is not is not able to think critically. That's not what the subconscious is for. You instruct the subconscious and you gave this order to your subconscious childlike. And that's what it came up with because that was your comfort zone and your childlike comfort zone. I love that. That's beautiful of what emerged. And to those of you who haven't really explored the subconscious, this is fascinating stuff because there's a lot down there to explore and mine and, and treasure 
So I think a lot of people think diving into your subconscious is always scary because what are you going to find down there? Yeah. And yeah, there's some stuff that needs to be unearthed. None of it's going to be so scary it will kill you. But a lot of it is comfort. You know, those things that are really part of the fiber of you. So what a beautiful thing to discover as you went through that process of learning how to tell your own story, but figuring out what it was. Yeah, yeah. It's very frustrating, like learning a new language is in general, because people are asking you questions and you almost don't have the words to explain, Mm. but you, you understand the feeling and, well you know what you feel and you know the different emotions that come up, but actually finding the language to be able to express that um, and be understood. Yeah. You know, I think that probably is like one of the major frustrations I feel of living here. Yeah. It's like how much I took for granted really the, the niceties of like, especially because we are so eloquent, you know, like we, yeah. we've worked in high level, you know, business settings and stuff yeah. where there is a certain level of um, communication that is far beyond the words that you're using. There's like sentiment that comes across There's like, and the English language is massive. Yeah. There's a word for every kind of feeling imaginable um and rapport building I mean I've studied a lot about rapport building in NLP Mm. like one of the major things is like that is the actual point of NLP is like rapport building how can you build rapport with another human yeah that connection and it's so we're so reliant on language which is probably a good thing to have stripped away from us living in a place but like my stock phrase to people is Soy muy inteligente en inglés, pero en español soy como una niña de cuatro años. Like, I'm very intelligent in English, but in Spanish, I'm like a four-year-old child. (laughs) And it is like, how do you be eloquent with that level of vocabulary? And just the challenge of the ego dies. The ego dies when you're just like, I sound like an idiot to one more person. And it's really, yeah, it's really tricky. But at the same time. How is this a gift? Because you can build rapport without language, right? Yeah. 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 I'm interested in like exploring a bit more about the the psychology of comfort and the intentionality of comfort and how you build that into your art now. Because then we're going to like talk about comfort zone chats and how we both have, well, we have intentions for that. Like we both have intentions for what we want that to be. And it is really about comfort. And actually that's my ultimate intention with the discomfort practice, because it said sitting in the edge of your discomfort, experiencing discomfort, getting to be friends with your discomfort, because that also brings comfort. Because yeah, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. yeah. So talk about comfort in your art. Talk about how you create that. And also what impact does that have on our, our, our systems, our nervous systems? How do we experience that? Oof, yeah. That's like a mega subject. Yeah, we'll cover um, that in comfort zone. Yeah. That's actually our first topic, <laughs> comfort versus discomfort. And yeah, we're going to go yeah, more yeah. into this. So there are massive parallels with art and health or healing, um, like loads. I've been seeing them like since I've been obviously developing more in, into my artistic side. I'm seeing so many parallels with what I was mm-hmm. learning about humans Um feeling comfort and where healing comes from. Because obviously healing is such a it's inbuilt into our system, you know, it's a natural reflex, it's a natural response, like we are, our body is looking for homeostasis all of the time, so it's thoughts, environment, um, and basically understanding that we actually have the power to 
change any of the situation that we're in. Um, Two, allow our bodies to get to a state where it can auto-regulate and heal and be comfortable. Because that's only ever going to happen when we're aiming towards comfort, basically. Mm. So then how do you build that into the art you make? It comes, it's a re, again, it's a reflex because you're allowing your body to do what it wants to do naturally. It's instinctive. I, I can only describe it really as channeling. It's like putting all of the unnecessary to one side um, and then being open to the information and the sensations and the somatic response in your body that does want to come through, um, which is ease, comfort, you know, it's mm. all the the happier side of creativity really my preference is then oh but I really like you know blended I love blending blending colors and blending Mm. even with contrast because you do have to have a little bit of contrast in there either Mm. you can create it with color shape with depth as well it's there has to be some contrast in there you can't Mm. just like be painting rainbows and stuff what I like when I go to art galleries and stuff is um, this came up in conversation. Actually, I was on Clubhouse the other night with um, an artist group of other artists, and we were talking about um, whether or not artwork should have titles Ooh. as a way of um, understanding or leaving it up to the viewer to have their own experience. If you're sort of put off by this abstract art chat, find yourself an experience of beauty that moves you they're relatable I mean Mm. this is the thing when you learn a little bit about like each of these artists and how they form their language and the things that matter to them they become relatable Mm -hmm. as humans they're they're not these like crazy way out there people they've got a very interesting perspective in their experience yeah and it's very very spiritual I think everyone is creative and has the capacity to be super creative but I think the modern world doesn't really give you enough space to be able to put your thinking head to one side on a regular basis. Mm, there's also that stumbling block of binary thinking where I'm creative or I'm not creative. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that really came to me last year in a lot of the work that I did with creatives was that that is totally the way the world is structured. And I've had people say that to me. Like, oh, I'm not a creative. Like, it's kind of more valid to not be a creative. Like, I am sensible and I can do planning. But I really stepped into the realization that I am a creative and that everyone is a creative in some way. And it's just about embracing that and thinking, what's the, how do I express myself in a creative way? Even in the things that I've always been doing, how am I actually quite creative in that? But also maybe exploring some things that are more creative expressions than you're used to. You know, maybe you're like, I'm a CrossFitter and a management consultant. But maybe there's a creative side of you. Maybe there's a novel dying to come out. Or maybe it's just that you want to arrange flowers or garden or paint. Who knows? For your home. I think a lot of people take Mm. for granted that like they're making intentional decisions about their environments all of the time. Not many people think that they're being creative where actually you look at their homes and just think, well, you've chosen that sofa, mm-hmm. you know, you've chosen that, you know, you've, you've arranged this room. This makes me think about storytelling. So this course that I tutor for Cambridge is, we just did a module on storytelling and it's 120 professionals from around the world talking about storytelling. And these are people in 
high level corporate government, you know, banking kind of jobs. But one of the things that is, is a big part of the learning there is brevity and being concise and how to bring people on a journey. And that is so creative. And the people who've excelled at it are the people who probably kind of realize they're creative or they enjoy the creativity of it. And the people who've struggled with it are the ones who kind of can't leave that I must deliver these facts and figures, but actually it can be done in a way that engages people very creatively in being, having a personal experience with whatever you're trying to tell them. Even if it's like, this is the business case, this is what the return on investment will be. You can still make it a storytelling experience that people will remember and enjoy and connect to as a human. Yeah. So it seems like all of this at the end of the day is about actually connecting as a human. Yeah. And remembering we are not machines. We are not robots. We, have these responses and it's why we enjoy art or maybe don't enjoy art there's some art I actually hate but I enjoy that experience because I've just experienced art and it gave me a reaction well you get a better understanding of who you are from what you like and what you don't like and how are you gonna experience that unless you've got it in front of you and can react to it this brings us beautifully into comfort versus discomfort Mm -hmm. and our intention for comfort zone chats so I'm my intention for this because we've talked about this. I a, I I want to keep creating space for people to explore discomfort in a safe space, mm-hmm. but I also want people to feel safe and connected, and to be able to connect with people they don't know already around the world, because these are the conversations that make all of us safer, and through which we find collective liberation to be more ourselves. And the more ourselves we can be, the more other people can be themselves, and the more they can bring their whole selves to the world. And solving some of these issues we have with social inequality, with climate change. So yeah, this is why, that's my intention for this. Safe space for people to be more fully themselves. So what's your intention for this? For the comfort zone chats? I I want to be able to have, yeah, more of these deeply rapport building conversations about I'm hopeless in like social settings where you have to talk about no but like you saw you said earlier like oh you're a little bit introverted and stuff it's just like well the reason we get on is because our conversations go so deep and Mm. they go down a rabbit hole of so many different things and for me like that brings me so much joy because it's lots of things that are actually meaningful to me and to you it's it's like a a win-win for both of us to have these conversations and to have this level of conversation you don't get on an average daily basis so I think they're very nourishing for our souls I think they're very supportive for uh, personal development and professional development and stuff as well and I also think that it helps us to um, uncover a side of us that we might not have necessarily known about Mm. without having these conversations but unfolding in a way that is safe because you're with people that you know like you and are not going to judge you um we've got the darkest and the lightest in us all of us every one of us so I think as a human we all the minute that we all understand that and then accept each other anyway the more we can have like these conversations and the more we can then you know do better things in the world uh these are going to be great chats and I think probably our first one Let's ask, we're going to crowdsource some ground rules. We'll come in with a few, but ask people, how can we set these chats up in a way that make you feel safe to unfold? 
unfolding is a great word. It's come up in a few conversations I've had lately. And I just love that concept of unfolding. That painting is called Unfolding. Yeah, it's a theme. So, yeah, last year, Catherine did an energetic reading for me, and the theme of it was, you don't have to look for love, just open yourself to the love that's around you. This year, it is my birthday today, and she brought me a painting called Unfolding, and we're talking about unfolding, and my last podcast guest, we talked about being able to unfold as a female in the presence of the masculine. Unfolding might be my theme for for my 42nd year. So, yeah, thank you for contributing to that. But let's not say goodbye. This is the first of many chats. So please join (laughs) me and Catherine on these comfort zone chats on Clubhouse. And also listen for more discomfort running buddies chats. It's so much fun to share the mic with a friend, um, with somebody I know so well. And I deeply, deeply appreciate your wisdom and your energy. Thank you. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you to my team who helped me produce this podcast, to my brilliant editor, Dimitar Tsvetkov, to Thomas Sheffer for the original music, and to Luis Amaro for the original artwork. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help me reach new listeners by leaving me a five-star and written review on Apple Podcasts, following me on Spotify, or anywhere else you love to listen to podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at thebetsyreid, That's B-E-T-S-Y-R-E-E-D. If you're interested in bonus episodes and guided meditations I record regularly, head over to patreon.com and become a supporter. For the price of a coffee each month, you get access to a community. So there's really only one thing left to say. Thank you for spending time with me. Stay uncomfortable.